Amen. Yeah, I'm asking the same thing. Okay, preacher, how do you follow that? Well, I'm going to talk in a little bit about division and politics. So now you say, why are you going to talk about that? Because of who he is. Because he's greater than even the greatest division you can consider. He's greater. He is the greatest unifying force that we can ever consider. That's why. So how'd I do? I made that transition. I got your attention now, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, have you noticed that our world around us seems to be more divisive? I, I don't know for sure if it is or it isn't, it, but it, it seems that way to me. So I did some, um, uh, just looking at some different articles and studies and found a couple of things, yeah, particularly the Cornell University and their study of, of, of information, technical information and technology. And, and they, they found that, um, uh, that the, the problem is that, uh, it's humans that communicate. That, that, that's the problem. Uh, and wherever humans communicate, they, they get divided. Um, but it's just that the social media and stuff and, and media that emails as well as, um, different things like, um, you know, Facebook and, and things like that, that they, they now, um, are a way to capture those human communications. And what they found, just get this, um, that fake news is, is a real thing. And that fake news, false news, it, it will spread a hundred, a ten to a hundred times faster than real news. The, the more outlandish the story, the more likely it's gonna get clicked. The more likely it's gonna get forwarded in email groups. The, the, the more emotional language that's there, the more likely they found that, that it goes forward. Um, they they uh, um, uh, found as, as well that, those, uh, um, that, that the social media provides an opportunity for outrage. You know, it, it just gets triggered and gets passed. And, and part of it is because you're physically separated from people. Uh, the other part is there's, there's a, a, an element of anonymity. And, and the other is because there's no negative repercussions, really. And there's actually, the, and this is the most surprising to me, it's, it, it's a positive influence for outrage. Because what gives you clout? What gives you, what makes you an influencer online? is the more friends you have, the more contacts you have, the more people who click on your stuff. So the very system itself encourages it. If it says the more people who pass your stuff on, the more important you are online, then that just means it encourages more outrage. It encourages more divisive language. Now, um, and again, and these studies, and they figure, man, who are the sociopaths that, that do this? Sorry, <laughs> there aren't any. It's me and you. So we found normal people. And, and get this, the time that the outrage was most likely to be expressed was on Monday morning. And the time that it was least likely, Saturday mid-morning. Because it's just people. 
and, and oh, and get this. Then they said, well, we got bots. Bots are like robots online. You know, so it's artificial intelligence. That, just so we call them bots. You just know they're not humans, but they're programmed by people. And what they're programmed to do, some of these bots were going to enter into certain uh, communication groups online and stuff, friend groups and that kind of thing. And what they would do, th- this particular study by Cornell was to look at language that was uh, racially prejudiced racially infused and what the bot would do would gauge how it was said and when it got to a certain level the bot would make a comment here's one of the the, the comments um that it would make it would just send this into the chat hey man just remember that there are real people who are hurt when you harass them with that kind of language that was all it would send. It would introduce a word of empathy. And they found, as bots did that, that the, in this particular case, the, the prejudicial language would dissipate and dispel and eventually stop. So there is hope. But the thing is, it just takes, it takes bots to make humans act like humans. So I wonder... What happens if humans were to do that? Humans filled with the power of the one who is the creator of the universe. What happens if humans enter into these conversations and introduce a word of empathy? Maybe that's a witness to the kingdom of God we were just singing about. Well, what we're, the passage we're going to look at is in Acts chapter 15. And it is the greatest division in the church. The greatest division, biblically speaking. Um, it's this huge collision of, 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 after Jesus had come on the scene, he's now changed things. He has changed things drastically. Alright, so now, so hang with me now. You keep that one little bit of your brain in, in the, in current time. But let's go back a few thousand years, or actually way beyond. Um, but if, if you well, if you go back a few thousand years to so the, the days of the Acts of the, the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, just sort of setting the scene. You've had generations and generations and generations of people who've been following God, following Yahweh. And Yahweh has spoken to them through people like Abraham and, and Moses, right? And he's given them different guidelines, traditions there to follow of their clothing, of what they eat, of how they worship, uh, rituals like circumcision. These are the things that are necessary for you to do to be my people. If there was a manual, say, here on the front page, this is what it means to be my people. This is what unifies you together as people of Yahweh. Here are the things that are written down for you to do. And now Jesus comes, and that's generation to generation to generation. All the way back to Abraham. And now Jesus comes on the scene. God in the flesh who lives among them, who demonstrates the very kingdom of God in their presence. As we were just singing, the kingdom of God is now among us in Jesus. The the way of God is among us in Jesus. And so he brings a lot of change. And he completes all those things. He he completes all those rituals of clothing and food and uh, the, the things like circumcision. And he completes those are now done, no longer necessary on this mission that God has to rescue the world. That was that was God's plan. And now we're going to change these things. We're no longer going to require those. 
Even though Abraham and Moses and David and all the rest have been doing it, and we've been doing it for generation after generation, Jesus says they're done. Now go. Now you think there might be a little conversation about that? I mean, we're just talking about worshiping out of this building for seven weeks. And you would think that's a huge explosion. So if that causes that kind of trouble among us, what do you think happened in those days? You know, we're no longer going to do baptism. We're no longer going to do communion. We're, we're no, no longer going to meet on Sunday. Oh man, what is it that unifies us? Well, as we'll see, it's Jesus. You, you, you take that page that had all those rules on it. This is what unifies us. This is who we are. And now you put one word on it, Jesus. And that's what we'll see as we look at this particular passage. All right, Acts chapter 15. Um, it's on page 924 in your pew Bible. And we'll, we'll start with verse 3. But I've tried to set... I, I was talking to a couple people about this. And I just mentioned offhand, well, it's Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council. And they looked at me nodding, sort of saying, well, what's Acts 15 and what's Jerusalem Council? And these are folks that have been involved in the church for a long time. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. This is one of the most significant chapters in the whole Bible. And yet, it's one that we really don't know that well and i think so helpful in the the world that we're in today all right uh, let's uh let's pray together first Uh, almighty god thank you for your written word thank you as it speaks to us Um, now continue to give us ears to hear and heart to receive and then hands and feet to do according to the power of your holy spirit jesus name we pray amen all right. So you know, the main uh, actors in this, Paul and Barnabas, they're apostles, they're missionaries. Peter, you're one of the main disciples. James is Jesus' brother, um, one of the, really the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And <clears throat> so all this, uh, this change is happening. And this big question is, do people to become Christians need to do these things? They need, in a sense, they need to become Jewish in order to become Christian. And what they found is, no, you don't. You don't have to. Well, we got to talk about this. So, um, verse 3. So being sent on their way, and this is uh, Paul and Barnabas, by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. So the Gentiles are all the people that are the pagans, the ones that don't even know how to spell circumcision and let alone do it. You know, they're, they're the ones, but now they've come to Jesus. And it's been obvious, as they've seen it, that they're, they're now followers of Jesus. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, 
Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the churches with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. And then the letter goes on, and you can read the rest of the letter. It basically says, this is what we've decided. So let's unpack this just, just a little bit. Um, one, the, the first most important passage, the, fir- uh, the first key verse, I think, is um, uh, the, the end of the, the first paragraph where folks are saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. So that's, that's what I'm saying. They're saying, listen, this is the page we've been given of what is necessary for people who are going to follow Yahweh, who are part of the team, who are part of God's mission. You had to do this. Well, now, the um, and they, they still must do this. Even though Jesus has come on the scene, they have to do this. They're, and they're, and what, what they're told is, no, they don't. There are times, and as the mission changes, as the world changes, there are things that are mission critical at a time that are now no longer needed. Like training wheels. Paul, in another passage, sort of calls the law training wheels. It's a tutor. Well, now it's time to remove those. Because with this message, it's been focused on Israel and Jews and them being a witness. Well, now it's time to take it global. And we got to lose that. Not by our own. This isn't because of our strategy. This isn't out of our wisdom. This is because this is what God has told us to do through Jesus. And it's what he's shown us. So there are times that we have to, to move on and change as God leads us. And, and, and for sure, if, if he did it then with them, I mean, there is nothing that we need to change like God is having them change what he had ha- revealed to them in earlier times. He's saying this is done. Well, now there are ways that we also must be called to change, to, to, to adapt to what the mission is, what is critical to the mission. Right, but then he moves on and Peter, you know, he shares what he's seen. Paul and Barnabas share what they've seen. And they're arguing back and forth. Love the little biblical, um, uh, biblical uh, euphemism there. And there, there had been much debate. Yeah, I bet there was a lot of debate. I've, uh, I've been in church meetings. 
before. You know, there is a lot of debate. And even at our, our last church meeting, just a little kudo, a little aside, man, I, there was great debate. And everybody behaved themselves very well. That, but that was good. And in a way, that's what you're looking at here. People are coming together, sharing, this is what I'm thinking. This is what is on my heart. This is what I think is right and wrong. And they're coming together. There's much debate. But what are we seeing God doing? What is God at work at? What do we need to leave in order to carry out the mission? And what do we need to affirm? Then verse 11, Peter says what I think is the crucial verse in the whole passage. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. What is necessary? He gets to it. What is necessary? What do we put on that front page? And it's Jesus. That is it. It is that we entrust ourselves to him. Our life seeks to be in his direction. We have placed our faith and trust in him. He is the one we are following. He is Savior and Lord. That's it. You add anything to the page, it's called sin. It's called idolatry. It's called arrogance. It's called disobedience. Heresy. If you add anything to the page... Now you see where politics fits in. And this is an important time to talk about that. we got a year. And, and in, a, in a church like ours, a church that seeks to be a diverse community that is growing as Jesus followers. You know, it's the hardest season in our life. It's not Christmas, it's not Easter, it's not Lent, it's not Advent. It's every four years when an election cycle comes. Because... Too many of us put our political commitments on the front page instead of the second page. Now, I'm not dis- dissuading that. I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm not saying we need to become apolitical. No. I'll talk about that in a minute. But what I, what, just a story. I had a great conversation um, a couple weeks ago with a member of this church, and it was political, and we disagreed on 80% of what we were talking about. And uh, we were, um, we looked at each other and we're almost like, well, what planet did you come from? What planet did you come from? You know, but we discussed it and went at it. And, um, and I'm sure there are things that, you know, I've got wrong, that they've got wrong. There are things that maybe we're all wrong. Except for this. I still love that person. And I think that person still loves me. I already asked that person if I could share this story. And uh, they, they didn't say no. I don't know that they said yes, but they didn't say no. Um, but it, it was, and it was one where we not only love each other, we still like each other. So what we got right was what we know goes on the front page. And, and in our world today, our world today, we have a whole lot of forces, a whole lot of forces in our society saying there are a whole lot of things on the front page. And as Christians, we are not to live according to the ways of the world. We're to put Jesus there. It's a great article by Tim Keller uh, entitled, uh, um, How Do Christians um, Fit in a Two-Party System? And, and uh, then the next two words said, they don't. Because, because we're about a kingdom. 
And he tells a great story of a good friend of his from Mississippi, a Presbyterian in Mississippi, who went to Scotland to, to visit his roots, you know, and get there. And he got there, and it was a great community of, of folks who loved Jesus. And, and I mean, they, they, they met and worshipped with gusto. They followed him in their lives. They sought to be true and honest. And get there, they, they practiced the Sabbath. They did not watch television on the Sabbath. And this uh, gentleman, he thought he'd died and gone to heaven. He was, this is what a beautiful community. This is what it's supposed to look like. This even feels like the church in Acts. Until he found out they were socialists. Yeah. They were socialists. And he said, why does that bother me so much? Because he put it on the first page. What bothers you so much that you realize that means you put it on the front page? What, what is it that will cause division among a brother or sister for whom Jesus has shed his blood, who has died, who has gone into the bowels of hell to raise them up and destroy death and guilt and sin for that person? Is what you're holding to as great as the act of Jesus? No. It isn't. I can tell you that. Because there is nothing as great as the love of God that is in Jesus Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection. And that's on the front page and nothing more. All right, but then you get the, get the end of the, the, the story here. Um, that then James stands up and says, okay, here's the deal. You're right. God has shown us. Jesus is on the front page. But now from here, here's what I want you to do. I want you now to honor and respect each other. Because it's understandable that you've got a population of people who who follow in Jesus, who have these rules, who have these traditions that they've been doing for years and years and years. And now you're telling these people over here, these pagans, these gentiles, you don't have to do these at all. Well, what he basically says is, well, don't rub that in their face. Honor them. Uh, keep the, they, you, you don't have to keep that, those rules, and they don't have to stop following them. But when you're with them, when you're in honor them and respect them, and don't just bring out some bloody piece of rare steak and eat in front of them. Yeah, and, and you know, and the Gentiles, they, you know, one of the things that's mentioned there is sexual immorality. Well, the sexual ethic of the Gentiles, the pagans, was totally different. And, and it's not required that everybody clean up their act before they come to Jesus. Now, that's a whole other sermon. I won't be able to go, go into that right now. But you, you got, and, and that's a, that's a praise the Lord, by the way, <laughs> that we don't have to clean up our act to come to Jesus. Because then that'd be a really small meeting. And a bunch of liars. Uh, so, but, we, you know, and, and recognize that your ethic, your sexual immorality ethic, man, is way out of kilter with theirs and with what God is. Now, you're on a journey, and we're, we're going to work on that, but remember that when you come together, that you respect and honor one another. They didn't have bots in those days that could be empathetic and honoring and respecting one another. It had to be people filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, for this next year especially, because uh, we're in the election cycle, and one thing, 
One thing. Another thing that Keller's article is great. And one thing I wanted to, uh, why I wanted to bring it up is because I just wanted somebody else that agree with me. There is no Christian political party. I, I want to be clear on that. There is no Christian political party. You know, there, there are things of the kingdom of God that I see in both platforms. And there are things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God in both platforms. At least that's my, my personal uh, opinion. And also uh, Tim Keller. So I am good on that one. <laughs> but I want you and us not only to stop and catch ourselves when we're belittling another group of people. Whether it's according to age, and it goes both directions. Whether it's race, economics, ethnicity, political commitment. Catch yourselves. Let's catch ourselves in, in doing that. And let the Holy Spirit fill us so that we don't do that. And even more. Now, let's not only just catch ourselves, but let's see what are ways we can to people we agree with. This is the key thing. Say to them, hey, you know, I agree with your point. But the way you express that, I'm offended. Now, those people with whom we disagree are human beings. And we need to treat them as that. Thanks for sharing your point. Because we need to be formed by the way of Jesus, the one who's on the front page. That's what the world needs. We don't need to be formed by social media or talk radio or whatever news we watch or even our chat groups. We need to be formed by Jesus. In our discussions, not only with one another, for sure with one another, but all the more with the world, with those that we don't even hold Jesus in common. And what a witness. What a way, in simple ways, to bring the work of the kingdom of God into our world. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together.